Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. Father, we just want to thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for your abundance. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your unending favor. We thank you, Almighty God, for this day. Thank you for your children. Thank you for what you have planned for us to enjoy this day. Thank you for the communion of the Holy Ghost. Thank you that this morning, Lord, we will have fellowship with you. And our fellowship with will be with the Holy Ghost and with Jesus Christ as well. Father, I thank you, Almighty God, that we also have fellowship one with another. That as we expound on your words, Almighty God, revelation will come upon revelation. That is what we go out and touch lives and impact lives. That Almighty God, it will be like the unraveling of words that will reach deep into our hearts. And that everyone here will hear the word that they need for the season of life in which they have found themselves. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Almighty God, for the impartation. I thank you, Almighty God, that you have made my mouth like the pen of a ready writer. Lord, Almighty God, I will write good things with my mouth to impact the lives of your children to the glory of God 
and the edification of your people. We thank you all, Mary God, that today will be an awesome service. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now we are back to the story that we've been doing for a couple of weeks now about the life of Joseph. Last week, we took a detour and went to talk about the story about the resurrection because we were celebrating Easter. So if this is your first time of coming to church, uh, you can go back to our YouTube channel. You'll see a number of um, sermons that we've done around the life of Joseph. Where we stopped the last time was about empathy. We talk about the, the what seven things that empathetic people do. And this came out of the book of Genesis chapter 40. And the story that we read about Joseph, a bit of recap about Joseph, was that Joseph was loved by his father, hated by his brother, sold into slavery by his brother, auction or auction uh, at the auction block as a slave in Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, he was sold into the uh, into as a slave into the household of a man named Potiphar. In that household, Joseph rose up quickly to become the leader of the house. Is most essentially he became a head servant, and he had favor. The Bible says he had favor. God had mercy on him. He had favor with his master, and the master promoted him. And why did the master promote him? Because everything that Joseph touched became successful. Joseph was so good at organizing the household uh, equipment, organizing everything in the family that he got promoted very, very quickly. All right, so that's where the story ended with Joseph. Now, Joseph, after a while, um, when as he began to do his duty diligently, the Bible said that the wife of Potiphar cast her eyes upon Joseph and wanted to have sexual intercourse with Joseph. Joseph, being a honorable man, said, no, I cannot do this evil thing against God. Not even against, against Potiphar, but against God. You know, because you are Potiphar's wife, I cannot do such a thing. Uh, Potiphar's wife eventually lied against Joseph. She felt insulted. You know, as I say, uh, um, hell had no fury like a woman's scorned, right? So Potiphar's wife um, lied against Joseph unto her husband, Potiphar, when Potiphar came back from, from work or came back, came back home anyway. And the Lord has shown the story was Joseph was thrown into prison. Obviously, Joseph was been thrown into prison now inappropriately because unjustly, as it were, because he did not do anything. He did not commit a crime, as it were. So Joseph was cast into prison. Now, when Joseph was in, is in prison, the Bible repeatedly spoke about the fact that Joseph um, had favor with God. The word, the, the phrase used was God was with him. God was with him. And the fact that God was with Joseph essentially meant that Joseph again gained favor in the eyes of uh, of the chief the chief prisoner, the person who puts people in prison. Joseph had favor. In, in the eyes of these guys, and this guy made Joseph to do or to again run the whole prison. So Joseph now has moved from running a household to running uh, an organization, as it were. And now the story opened up in Genesis chapter 40, where Joseph now had a counter with two very important people. Now, these two people were servants of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. Pharaoh uh, can be likened to uh, Joe Biden of the U.S. because Egypt uh, was the world, the world superpower at a point in time. So just imagine um, uh, Joe Biden had a couple of guys who work with him, and they fell out of favor with him, you know. And then he asked them to send them into uh, into prison, 
all right so they got sent to prison the prison where they sent these people to were the same prison where joseph was and joseph therefore was made to be uh the one who was taking care of these people as you know these people were put in in the kind of same quarters where joseph was placed so it's more like a kind of a vip type area of the of the prison but joseph was in charge of the whole prison now, now, the last story we spoke about two weeks ago was about Father Joseph. When Joseph came one morning and he looked at the eyes of this people, he looked at their faces. He saw that their faces were down. That, that means they were not happy, right? So Joseph began to inquire what was wrong with them. And they began to speak to Joseph about the fact that they dreamt a dream. They, they both dreamt dreams on that night. And they didn't understand what they dreamed uh, meant. Uh, the first one, the butler, which in essence we call the cup bearer. Had a dream where you know he um, he, he 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 had to um, eventually uh, be the one to serve Pharaoh back. That's what the outcome of this of the story of his dream. While the other one, he had a dream where he meant that he had to he had to die. All right, but regardless of what his, what the dreams were, Joseph was there patiently listening to their dreams and told them God is the only one who gives interpretation. Now, remember, Joseph was gifted as a dreamer. From a young age, he has always had his gift as a dreamer. But we eventually learned over, over the past couple of videos that Joseph had all those skills that he developed while he was in the house of Potiphar. He had all this, the part, part of the experience he had while he was taking care of his fathership or um, essentially running errands for his father. All right, on behalf of his, of his father, rather, when he used to go and check up on his brother when they were tending to the ship. So Joseph had to learn a lot of financial acumen, had to learn organizational skills, had to learn leadership skills, had to learn how to relate to people. All right, so those are the skills that he has been building up along the way. So I don't want you to ever forget that, that in, in the pursuit of your vision, there will be skills you will, be picked up, you will have to pick up along the way. Some of those skills, you might not have them when you start out. And go orchestrate situations to come into your life so that you have to pick up those skills. In fact, there, are, there might be some skills that you don't necessarily want to pick up. But situations will force you to pick them up. And picking them up and working with them will become useful, useful for you in the future because you will need them. All right. So this is the background on where we are. So what I want to do now is step into the story to then begin to speak about the fact that uh, what happened to Joseph. So let's talk about these two people that came into um into into the same place where joseph was in, in the prison the first one is the cup bearer the cup bearer or the butler is somebody who will ensure that whatever uh, pharaoh was to eat or drink the cup bearer will have to taste the food first to make sure that it was safe all right so essentially if somebody were to poison the poison the king or poison the, the pharaoh the butler will have to die first because by virtue of his role, he had to taste the, the wine first and make sure that it's okay before the pharaoh could essentially put that into his mouth. So this guy held a position of power. Essentially, this person was so close to the king that he will have to hear a lot of what I call trade secrets or, or national security secrets that he is going to be privy to by virtue of his role. So it's possible that when they were talking, when they start to talk about um, strategies of war or how to manage the economy, while um, Pharaoh was holding court with some of his uh, his generals, this man will be there listening and understanding what is going on in the economy. All right. So 
he was close to Pharaoh, and I guess that's the main Jesus so was close to Pharaoh, so he could understand things around, he could pick up things while he was there. The other guy was the baker. The baker is almost like um, somebody who runs the kitchen. This person will cook the food, this person will bake the bread and all that. Again, this person was a trusted servant in Pharaoh's household. So, but these two people ran out of favor for whatever reason they, they they fell out of favor with Pharaoh and they landed in prison. But the amazing thing I want to call out here was when they came into prison, God orchestrated that these people were put these people were put under Joseph for Joseph to take care of them. All this Joseph was put in the charge of these people. Now, even though in this story, in the whole of this chapter, uh, the chapter didn't really end the way we would have wanted it to end. The chapter ended in such a way that even though Joseph ended up helping these people, they totally, totally forgot about him, right? But there's something I want to call out was that is this, is that even though these people, the, 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 the butler specifically forgot about Joseph, God brought Joseph into the sphere of people that will help him in the future. And therefore, Joseph's ability to be empathetic and to, to use his skill to help these people uh, was instrumental in, in what God then used to bring Joseph out of the prison into the limelight. And what does that mean for us? It means that you might find yourself in a situation where I call the waiting room of life. You know, call it waiting room of life. You have believed God for so, something for so long. You almost got a boy slip out of your hands, or you are still believing God for a breakthrough in a particular area, but it hasn't come yet. And maybe this morning you are despondent. This morning you are becoming hopeless. This morning you're thinking, uh, for how long will I have to wait? Has God forgotten about me? Has God forgotten about me? Has God forsaken me? Today, I bring you a message from God that is titled, Forgotten, but Never Forsaken. Now, and what does that mean? It means that you might be going through the throes of life. You might be going through challenges of life. And it might seem as if God has left you alone. Today's message is to encourage you to say that even though men may forget you, men may not remember you, that God will never, ever forget you. Because we read in this story that Joseph, when they told him their dreams... And they were, their, their faces were falling, as it were. They told Joseph their dreams. And Joseph interpreted their dreams. He, Joseph used his skill, as is you normally used to serve other people, while still waiting for his own dream to come to pass. You might be in a position to. God has given you a gift. But the same thing that you are believing God for, or that you need help for, other people are coming to you, for you to help them. And you're asking the question, God, what sense of irony is this? What sense of what sense of humor is this? Why the, the same thing that I need help for is what people are calling, coming to me to help them. If I have the solution, if I have the power, I will have solved the thing myself. But God uses your skill to help other people further their agenda. Why? Because the gift that you have will make room for you. God will use that gift to make room for you, to open doors for you. But let me tell you something. There is no such thing as a chance encounter. There are people in your life, or there are people that have come into your life, that you thought, oh, they just come in here, I just met them for chance. There's no such thing as chance. Every person you meet, God expects you to treat them well, to use your gift well, 
for them so that in the future you don't know how god is going to work behind the scenes to bring to reality that which you are believing god for so joseph in the story that we read right uh, was somebody therefore who helped them he explained what their dreams meant and what god was going to do based on their dreams on those dreams so the butler after three days got restored back as into his position and the baker was beheaded oops by pharaoh but before before the butler got reinstated joseph made another appeal to the butler to say look i am in this prison as a consequence of mistake i wasn't the one that made a mistake i was a person who was standing on my integrity I did not do anything wrong. I was thrown in here because uh, the wives of Potiphar wouldn't want me to do something that is against uh, what God would want me to do. And also, actually, I find myself in this land of Egypt because my brother sold me here. I am not meant to be here. There's been so much injustice in my life. Can you please give a word to Pharaoh for me when you are in the courtroom? Or when, when, you are, when, you, when Pharaoh is holding court and you're serving him the wine, perhaps you might just give him the word. I say, by the way, there's a, there's, there's a young boy in prison, there's a young Hebrew boy in prison who was unjustly in prison. The Pharaoh, may you live long. Will you perhaps uh, let this child go? Will you perhaps grant him pardon? Could you please put in a word for, for the Pharaoh for me? And the guy will say, oh, yeah, 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 not a problem. Let's see how this dream is going to pan out. Then the dream pan out. After three days, the guy got reinstated. And the guy forgot about Joseph. The guy forgot about Joseph. Imagine you, Joseph. Imagine you, Joseph. As the butler was leaving the prison, you shook hands. You told yourself, oh, my redemption draws nearer. You told yourself, freedom at last you were there waiting i'm sure that night you probably will not sleep you probably will not sleep you'll be thinking oh man things are going to change now suppose you are owing somebody money and somebody told you oh by the way by tomorrow i'm going to put a thousand pounds in your account and you desperately needed that money you possibly wouldn't be able to sleep that night you will have calculated what you are going to use that money to do, how you're going to settle your debts, how you're going to do this and that and that and that. And then the next day, the phone did not ring. You didn't get a call. You didn't get a letter through the post box. You said, oh, maybe they forgot. Maybe the guy is still trying to settle down. Maybe he hasn't had a chance to speak with Pharaoh. And then a week, go, a week, a week goes by. Nothing happened. Two weeks three weeks, a month, two months, three months, four months. You are in a position where you cannot even call to say, um, can I have a word with a butler in the, in, the, in, the, in the Pharaoh's palace? Can you just give me his number? You can't do that. So now, you are at what? At his mercy. If he remembers, he's going to help you. Perhaps you're even thinking your good heart. Maybe he told the Pharaoh and Pharaoh said, forget about him, I'm not really interested. But what I Pharaoh heard, or Pharaoh did not hear, you, you wouldn't know anyway because nobody brought word back to you to say, actually, you are still going to stay here. The only thing you know, the only evidence you have is that you are still in the same position where you were. What do you do 
when you're so close, yet not so close? What do you do when you can taste the smell of success, but it just slips through your hands? What do you do when you almost want a contract, but by one single mistake, the whole thing falls apart? What do you do when your dream seems so far-fetched? It seems like this dream that God has told you is not going to come to pass. Has God lied? Has God left me alone? Has God abandoned me? You ask the question. What do you do when you find yourself in this situation? This morning, God asked me to bring you a word on how you can, on what to do when you are in the waiting rooms of life. See, we should never discount the similar small twists and turns of this life. Whatever God has brought across your path, whoever God has brought across your path, remember there is no such thing as a chance encounter. A chance encounter may be the meeting of a lifetime. What may seem as an accident or a coincidence is really God at work in your life in a great way. You may not see it. My prayer for you is that may God order your steps and my steps to our destiny help us in Jesus' name. The Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 23, when Yahweh delights in how you live your life, he establishes your every step. If they stumble badly, they will still survive, for the Lord lifts them up with his hands. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says, Within your heart you can make plans for your life or for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take together. I want you to ponder on that. God chooses the steps you take to get to where you need to go. You know, there are sometimes you make some random mistakes. You thought, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. But God uses even those mistakes of you to take you to where you need to get to. God orders the minute details of our lives. There are no accidents with him. I remember some years back when we wanted to move into a, into a particular house. The house, he was going to be sharing the house with the landlord of the house. Um, it wasn't the best of places, but it was better than where we were. We just wanted to have a bigger kind of space to, to for, so that we can it can be more comfortable. And we, we got into this place, and uh, the man the man had I think two horses. I said, "Oh, my, I love I love places where they got horses anyway." My child is going to learn to ride horses, you know, and they, they got some paddocks and stuff. It wasn't the best of places, like I said, it was not too private as I wanted, but it's better than where we were. So. In the conversation, when we're doing the walk around with the landlord, I basically said to the landlord, oh, by the way, um, I, I wasn't in the country for some time, and therefore I missed some payment on my credit file, so my credit file might have some mispayment, but it's, but it's not a problem. We, we, we're not holding anybody money, and so on and so forth. And uh, he said, you guys say, hey, not a problem, not a problem, not a problem. And then later, we called the agency. The agency said, oh, so the man said, you can't give because you missed payment before in the past. And my wife was like, Oh man, it's because you spoke. Why did you have to speak? Should I just kept quiet? And I said, Well, I just I was just trying to lay all the cards on the table. Cut the locks to the shop, we didn't get a house. Unknown to us, some months down the line, God gave us a most beautiful house. Far, far better, in a better location, better, better, better neighbors, wonderful environment. God took even the mistake I made. To take me away from the road I was meant to go because it was preparing something better, bigger for me. So essentially, what this means is this. God can take the story of your life, the mistakes you have made, and use it to work good in your life. And this is very important because somebody might beat you down today and say, Oh, the reason why so-so-and-so is happening in your life is because of so-so-and-so that you did five years ago. I'm saying to you, it's a lie. 
God is able to take every detail of your life, the mistakes you've made. Remember, he didn't ask you to make the mistake. He didn't want you to make the mistake in the first place, but he's able to take that same mistake and use it to turn for good in your life. I remember myself some years back um, when I, after I lost my parent and I was looking for work and I had to relocate to a particular city and I, in, in my walking around trying to find a job, I found a man uh, that then became my mentor during that part of my life. And uh, he related with my story because I think he, he also lost his parent at some point in his life. And so we sort of hit up. So I called him my brother, my brother, my brother. And he would give me advice. He would tell me what to, to do here, I want to do there. So when I started my career, he was a go-to person. I would ask him, Egbon, Egbon, in Malaga means big brother. Big brother, what do I do here? What do you think? He would give me advices, you know. And he was there as my mentor. Even when, when we lost, um, when my, my, my wife lost pregnancy, you know, just before we moved to the UK, we lost a pregnancy very close to, to, uh, to nine months. It was the one that stood there as my family at the hospital, holding my hands and saying to me, God, it's going to be okay. So he was there for me during that period of my life. But you know what happened? When it was time for us to move to the UK, it was the same person who arranged for his brother in the UK to house us for three months before we, we, we settled down and was able to find a place to stay by ourselves. So now God took a chance encounter in the bid for me to go look for work, met this guy that became a mentor to me, that, that gave me a soft landing when I came to the UK with my family, with my wife. You know, So you can see a chance encounter. I was looking for work, but I found somebody that God had planted ahead of me to be there for me to be like a senior brother figure for me but not only that was also able to give me a soft learning with this extended family in the uk when i first came here now here's the thing there's isn't an interesting thing i want to say quickly while i was in the university i think it was maybe year three or can't remember there was a prophecy that came out over my life about actually me traveling abroad and and you know doing some great stuff right the prophecy came out when i was in second end primary university i think about year three but the actualization of this prophecy did not come to pass in my life until about maybe seven eight years later yeah it didn't come to pass but god had the prophetic utterance spoken over my life while i was still in second while i was still in university now here here i was when i finished university and I was seven. My parents had died. And I didn't know where to go. I was alone. I was forgotten as it were. But I was not forsaken. As I, I, I remember when we finished, when I finished um, um, uh, youth service and we're doing personal parade. Personal parade is when youth service in Nigeria is where you do military service. You go and serve your country, right? So they give you a pittance. Uh, to, but you serve your country, you, 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 you go there and work for the country, but for a, a small amount of money. So it's called military service, kind of. It's a youth service, what they call it. And when you finish, you do what they call a personal parade. And that means you serve your country, bye-bye, go look for work. And I remember that when I had my personal parade and my friends, were, my friends' parents were coming around with... with uh, with barbecue, no, not barbecue, with, um, uh, what do you have here? With, um, with, they had meals, 
a picnic here. Because they're coming out with picnics and having meal around and having canopies here and there and having meat. I had nobody. I had no food. I had nobody to come and give me a hug. I had nobody to come talk to me. My friends are late. Nobody. I was, it was the loneliest day of my life. So, you could say, I was forgotten. But I was not forsaken. But orchestrate the, the story. Some years later, met this man who played a significant role in my life. Fast forward to the future. God brought me into the UK. Created a soft landing for me with this same family. But the prophetic utterance over my life that said I was going to go abroad. I was going to live there and, and be a great man. Happened when I was in, sec- in university. When I didn't have a clue. When the prophetic utterance came, my parents were still alive. But before the ultras came to life, they were no longer there. As a matter of fact, they died shortly, some years shortly after that, right? And when I was on that field at the personal parade, and I didn't have a clue where I was going to go, I don't know where, where which, which, which town should I go to start looking for work, because I, don't know any, I didn't know anybody. It was the loneliest day of my life. I, I would never have thought that the dream will still come to pass, that the prophetic utterance will still come to pass in my life. But God has orchestrated people into my future that I did not even know who were there and created that, created this, that soft landing for me. Why did I share my story? So that you can understand that even though Joseph in this prison, the Bible says in verse 23, uh, Genesis chapter 40 verse 23, the Bible says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. Even though this human being, the butler, forgot, forgot Joseph, God did not forget, forget Joseph. God did not forsake Joseph. God still had intention to bring to reality in his own time that which he has planned for Joseph. You know what? If Joseph had gotten, to, has gotten released at this point in time, he pr- probably would not have become prime minister. Why? Because there was no problem. But God already knew the time when famine was going to happen in Pharaoh, in, in Egypt. God knew how many years they needed to prepare for the famine that would come. God knew the kind of dreams that he had to engineer for, to, for Pharaoh to see and for him to be so confused that he had no way out than then to listen to anybody that would bring a solution. This is what I tell people. It doesn't matter whether somebody likes you or they don't like you. If you become the solution to somebody's problem, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. They will listen to you. Pharaoh was in such a bind that when the butler eventually remembered two years later, that's when he remembered. Oh, that there's a guy in prison who can help, who did, who prophesied, who, who, who interpreted my dream for me, and it came to pass. And Pharaoh said, go bring him. We're going to be talking about that in detail next, next week. But for today, what I want to say is that there's a timing of God in the manifestation of the things which he has planned for you that you should be rest assured that God will come through for you. Amen? Be rest assured that God will come through for you. So, God wants me to tell you that if it is delayed, it is not denied. If it is delayed, it's not denied. When you are in the waiting room of life, don't lose the grip on the dream, on the vision that God has shown you. Don't lose grip 
on the God who gave you that vision. When you are in the waiting room of life, you are waiting for yours to come. You are waiting for what God has promised you to come. Here is a word from the Lord. Do not lose grip of the dream that God has placed in your heart. Do not lose grip on the God who gave you those dreams. Amen? Amen? Now, what do you do while you are waiting? A primary thing, a summary of what you should do. A summary of what you should do. While you are waiting for God to bring you out of the waiting room. To the place he has put you, he has destined for you. Do all you can in where you are to the best of your ability to the glory of God. I'll say that again. Do all you can where you are to the best of your ability to the glory of God. The challenges you you are going through might be bad, but God is good. You must learn to glorify him whether the sun is shining or the rain is falling. You must learn to glorify him and point others to him, to the goodness of God, even when it doesn't make sense. Listen, if you're on the mountaintop, God is still God. If you seem to be going through what looks like a valley, God is still God. Hallelujah. So, the chief copiera or the butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. He forgot him. Days turned to weeks, weeks to months, and months into two long years. Joseph was in prison, disappointed, but waiting. Waiting on God to move in his time. Waiting on God to move in his time. What do we learn from this disappointment from the butler? Number one, God may use people. He may use circumstances to help you. But God is the only one who can help you. We should never, ever put our confidence in a human being. I'll say that again. We should never, ever put our confidence in a human being. Anytime we depend on human beings, it always leads to failure. Our help comes from the Lord. The psalmist says, I will look up to the hills. Where would my help come from? And then he answered the question. He said, my help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Now, the other thing I want to call out here is also that God might not move when you think he is going to move. He might not move how you think he will move. But God will move. In fact, under the new covenant, God has already moved. There's some prayers that I want you also to be praying going forward. Praying for destiny helpers. When you start to pray, begin to pray that God will bring those who are your destiny helpers into your life. So that as you are in the waiting room, waiting for the manifestation of the vision in your heart or the dream in your heart, that the people that God has ordained to help you, that the Holy Spirit of God will bring them into your life. Amen? Hallelujah. So, now let me show you what do we do near for when we are, wait, when we are in the waiting room of life. I have... Uh, nine things that I'm going to talk about in the next 10 minutes that God has shown me that we can do while we are in the waiting room. Remember, Joseph was forgotten, but he was not forsaken. Because next week, we're going to talk about how Joseph came out of this state to become the prime minister of Egypt. So, while you're in the waiting room, what do you do? An example of the waiting room is this, to help, to contextualize what we're talking about. 
Suppose you're traveling from, say, London and you're going to, uh, let's say you're going to Chicago or some other country, some other state in the US and you had to take a connecting flight, let's say from New York City. I'm making it up, by the way. And why you you get it to do a connecting flight? Let's say you got two two three hours to wait. You stay at the airport, right? You you don't you don't, you don't get to go out. You're put in a place where you're waiting. You're just sitting down, waiting for your flight to come. That's a waiting room. You're in the waiting room. You're waiting. You know you are going to connect to the next flight, right? But you also know the time is going to happen in the case of this airplane, right? But you're waiting. All of a sudden, you heard. The announcer goes on, oh, the flight flight 6678 to Chicago is delayed because of inclement weather. So please bear with us. We'll let you know as soon as the plane is ready to go. So now, the journey of you waiting for three hours in the waiting room has turned into what? Question mark, nobody knows. You're waiting. Why are you waiting? If you're like me, I start to go check my watch. All right. Initially, you're gonna wait and check that you're within the time you were promised before. That if the plane comes, all right. After a while, you start to get what fidgety. You just ask a question. You start going to the counter. Say, hey guys, when is it gonna happen? Hey guys, when is it gonna happen? Right. You are in the waiting room. Do you like the waiting room? No, I don't. I don't. I want it now. God has promised me. I want it now. But people of God, what I found out is this. At times, your character is built in the waiting room. Your character is built while you are waiting. There are some things you have believed God for that God has shown you that you are not ready to step into them yet because you have not built the character to sustain them. And God is interested in your character. He's interested in you representing him well with what you are believing for. Do you know, if Joseph had become prime minister at the time when he was shown the vision, he would have shipwrecked it. Why? He was not matured enough to handle it. He wasn't matured enough to handle it. So he had to go through those experiences. Again, remember, I'm not saying God caused those experiences, but he had to go through them for the right kind of character to be built in him. So what do you do while you're in the waiting room? Number one, remember that God has not forgotten you. Neither has he forsaken you. In the book of Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15 to 16, the Bible says, And the Lord answered, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have indelibly imprinted, tattooed a picture of you on the palm of each of my hands. O Zion, your walls are continually before me. God is saying something here. He said, if you have a mother, I mean, the, the motherly love is probably one of the strongest love there is. A mother would die for a child. Literally die for a child. And God is saying here, is it possible for a woman that could die for a child? And this child is being nursed. She's actually nursing the child. A little baby that's just born. The child needs the milk. This mother is nursing the child. Is it possible for this child to forget, this mother to forget this child? This child that is so dependent on her to get milk and sustain us. Is it possible for this woman to forget this child that she would not have compassion on the son of our womb? 
Even though in the natural it seems so impossible. God said, well, it is possible. They may forget. But I will not forget you. God is using an extreme example to explain how so impossible it is for him to forget you. And I hope you understand that. No matter what you're going to right now, just receive that. God will never, ever forget you. And he then further go on to say why he will not forget. He says, I have indelibly. You know what indelibly, indelibly means? It cannot be taken away. You put, a, you put some sort of tattoo on your, on your hands that nothing, no chemical can erase it from your body. Because I have tattooed you. I have tattooed a picture of you on the palm of each of my hands. Listen, the God who, 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 who flung the, the, the stars in space, who set the boundaries of ocean, the God who hung this, our beautiful earth in space, this God said, I have your picture on my hands. Your words are continually before me. God is giving you an assurance that no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad it looks, I am with you. I am for you. I will never leave you. You are here. You are here. If I ask you today where you are, ask you today where you are, have you had a chance to look at your hands today? Or have you used your hands today? The answer is no. The answer is yes. You may have washed your hands. You may have had a meal with your hands. You have used your hands. So there's no way you can live every single day, except, except you don't have hands, right? That you won't have used your hands in a day. And God says, every single time you use your hands, and you will see, oh, look at, the, look at the lines on my hands. Look at the tattoo on my hands. You will see it. It's, it's, it's indelible. It's marked clearly that you can see it. God says, the way you are to me is that your pictures are in my hands. Not only that, your words, I can see you, you are all around me. So, the world may think you are a nobody, but to God, you are somebody. Why? Because God has indelibly imprinted a tattoo, a picture of you on the palm of his hands. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be connected with, with what you have. For he, that is God now, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, the word never there is the word umi, O-U-I for me. It is, a, it is a Greek word that means never, ever, ever, ever. It will never, ever, ever happen. Is is a word? Is a double negative word that says it will never happen. God is giving you assurance that no matter what you go through in your good days, your not so good days, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Praise God. Number two, while you are waiting, the waiting, what should you do? Trust in the character of God. Trust in the character of God. Deuteronomy chapter two verse eight says, "If the Lord who goes before you, He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you." Do not fear or be dismayed. Because God is with you. God goes with you. God is all around you. God says to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Don't, don't, do, ah, ah, I don't know what to do. God said, no, 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 don't do that. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, the enemy only gets to you when you flounder, when you lose sight of the fact that God is with you. The only way the, the devil was able to win in the Garden of Eden was exactly the same way. He told a lie to Eve. He said, God knew that the day you eat of this fruit from this tree, you are going to be like him. By the way, God is holding something from you. And the moment you hearken to that lie, and you believe that lie, you have moved away, departed away from your stability that is in Christ Jesus. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? 
for he is faithful that promise. That word faithful me is, 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 a, is, a, is a combined word, right? It's faithful. God is full of faith. God is dependable. The one that promised you is dependable. So when I told you my story about the vision, the prophetic utterance over my life when I was in university, and when that word came, there was no inkling that I was going to travel abroad. There was no inkling at all. There was no platform. There was no opportunity. I didn't even know how it was going to happen, right? But I remind myself all the time, God has said, God has said, God has said, God has said, God has said. I remind myself all the time. And one day, it happened. So the same thing with you. What has God told you? What promise has been given to you? Remember that. Why? For he is faithful that promised. God says, hold fast the profession, the confession of that faith. Keep saying it. Why? The one that promised you is faithful. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So, God is faithful. Say with me, God is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Say again, God is faithful and he will do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Number three, trust in the promises of God and your covenant rights. Now, under the new covenant, under the new covenant, God made a covenant with Jesus. God literally did not make a covenant with us because we can't keep it if God makes, makes a covenant with us. But God made a covenant with Jesus. And because God made a covenant with Jesus and we're in Jesus Christ, the, the, the fulfillment of that covenant is not dependent upon you. I'll say that again. Because God made a covenant with Jesus and because you are in Jesus, the fulfillment of the covenant is not up to you. You know, if, 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 you, if you have a marriage covenant, as, a, as, it, as it were, a marriage covenant, the marriage covenant expects that the two parties I've got responsibilities within that covenant that they must do. Else, the marriage can be annulled at some point if one person is found to have to have um, fallen short of their covenant responsibility. For example, if a woman goes, if a man goes around sleeping around and committing adultery, the woman can say, "Hey, by the way, you are not meant to do that. You have broken the covenant. I don't want. I don't want to be in this relationship again." Right? In the case of us, the covenant right that we have in Christ, God did not make the covenant with us. God made the covenant with Jesus. And Jesus Christ fulfilled that covenant responsibility 100%. So therefore, the fulfillment of the covenant rights or the benefits of that covenant is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon God. You, you, you can't say, oh, I'm working for it. That's how God can move in my life. So, you need to trust in that. Trust in the promises of God and your covenant right. Hebrews 6.18 says, By two unchangeable things, the promise of God and the hope of God, in which it is impossible for God, to, for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. Man, I don't have enough time. This, this text here, I can spend a whole hour talking about it. Let me tell you what it's saying. Essentially, essentially saying, God is giving you a promise. The promise based on the word of God. Promise, promise based on what Christ has done for us. 
and God has given an oath. God has sworn by himself that based on what I've said I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. So you have the oath of God and you have God, what God said he was going to do. By those two things, they are unchangeable. You can, God cannot change his mind about this. his promise. He cannot change his mind about the fact that he has said, I'm going to do it. Those two unchangeable things that they are unchangeable and God cannot lie by those two things he has said. Because of these two things, the promise of God and the oath of God, we, we have fled to him. We, those of us who have given our lives to, Je- our lives to Jesus, we have actually fled to God, to Jesus for refuge. Refuge is the place where you hide. We have, we have gone to hide in Christ. And because we're hiding in Christ based on this promise and on the oath of God, we, we then have what? Strong encouragement. We are encouraged and we have strength that is coming from the inside. So that we can lay hold, we can hold tightly to the hope that we have before us. So, in practical terms, if, for example, you have sickness in your body, they've given you a, a, um, um, a, um, a, a diagnosis about something, you ask the question, what is the promise of God about healing? That is the promise. By stripes have been healed. He himself took our sickness. By stripes I am healed. And the Lord sent his word and he healed them. And deliver them from all all their diseases. That is his promise. Okay, what about his oath? God has said in Christ, all of the promises of God are fulfilled. So in Christ, God has said in Christ, all promises of God are fulfilled. What is the promise? About healing. I'm healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, I have been healed. So the promise of God and the oath of God. Now, these two things, they are impossible for God to lie. They are unchangeable. God has said he was not going to change his mind. I will take these two things now and run. Run to where? The heart of God. I will, I will take those things and meditate upon them in my heart until it becomes, uh, 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 until my heart becomes warm as I meditate upon them, as I see them in my, in my mind's eye, as I go into the future to see myself well and hale and healthy. It becomes, it creates a warm feeling in my heart. I stay there with that warmth picture, with the fact that God cannot lie. I stay there. But I'm saying, we have strong encouragement and indwelling strength. This this pondering on this promise of God and the oath of God, on the unchangeableness of God, on the fact that God cannot lie, these two things will warm my heart so much that I'm able to be empowered now to lay hold of the hope that is set before me. That's essentially what he's saying here. So, trust in the promises of God and your covenant rights. Number four, maintain the confession of your faith and be your own encourager. Hebrews 10, 23, I said earlier, says we should hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. We should hold fast. To hold fast means keep saying what God says even when the thing does not look like it. Keep saying what God says. Amos 33 says, two, can two work together? I said they'll be agreed. Can we work with God unless we agree? How do we agree with God? By saying the same thing that God said. Maintain the confession of your faith while you are still in the waiting room. Maintain the confession. Keep saying what God says. Keep declaring what God has declared. Maintain the confession of your faith. Faith, And then be your own encourager. There's a story here in the book of, I think, 1 Kings with King David. King David was, has been anointed to be the king over Israel. It was just several months before ahead now he's going to be king. Even though, even though he did not know that. He did not know that. But something happened to, 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 to King David. He went out and came back. And when he came, he came back to Ziklag. Ziklag was where, it's a city where he himself and his family and 
the the thugs, or the people that he has, they're thugs now. He's converted them to be noble men. Where they 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 followed him, they all staying there, and they came in there. And the Bible says the Amalekite thing have come into Ziklag and burned the whole city down, and took his wives and the wives of his uh, of his of his um, soldiers and his children, took them away. And when the men came to the town, they found there was nothing in town. The wives have disappeared. The children have disappeared. They began to cry. And they wanted to stone David. They wanted to stone David. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. That was a low moment for David. That was a moment for David where David was like, man, nothing's going to work. It was a moment where David could have said, God has abandoned me. God has forgotten me. But the Bible said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he encourage himself? He began to remember the things that God has done in the past. He began to remember the promises of God. He began to remember what God has told him. How God has said he was going to be the king over Israel. He began to remember. And as he remembered this, he then asked the question, God, should I pursue? Should I pursue them? And God said, yes, pursue them. For indeed, you shall overtake them. And, and get get the get the get your your family back. So be your own encourager. When you are going to challenges, find promises of God in the Bible, meditate on them, put in some wonderful music and dance and enjoy yourself. While, while you're waiting, don't make the waiting room a place where you stay in uh, in, in in depression and you further mess up your health. No, don't do that. Shift your attention. Shift your attention. Number five. Surround yourself with a good community of like-minded people. What does that mean? It means God wants you to find people who, when you speak to them, they jack you up. They jack you up. People that will not want you to stay in drudgery. They will not want you to stay in pity mode. They will not, they will not, they will not want you to stay in with a victim mindset. They want to jack you up and say, come on, let's get out of that place. Right? So, surround yourself with like-minded people. Be the committee of like-minded people that will jack you up. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily. As long as it is today. God says, every day encourage one another. Every day encourage one another. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's talking about, you know, sin here means amatia, to miss the mark. Bible says, you can miss the mark of what God has in store for you through the deception of the devil. So God says, the way the reason why you need to encourage yourself in the Lord every day, encourage yourself when you wake up every day, encourage yourself. Say today's another day, another wonderful, beautiful day. It's gonna be all right today. Remember the promises of God. Speak about the good things that God is doing in your life and charge your life up with the goodness of God. Remember that. Speak good things out of your mouth, play good music, enjoy, dance, see life. Um, um and embrace gratitude. You know, if you, if you can learn how to be grateful, find some gratitude journal. Write about the good things that God is doing in your life. Just be grateful. Why? That will help you not to be hardened and miss the mark through the deception that the devil will paint, you, devil will paint in your heart. Because they will, in the middle when you have challenges, they will make you to focus on what you don't have instead of focusing on what you do have in Christ. And the more you focus on what you don't have, guess what's going to happen? Your heart will become hardened. You will no longer see the good things in your life. Spend time to just enjoy what God has done for you. Spend time to focus on only what God has done for you. Some some, some weeks back, my daughter was going through some challenges in, in her mind. And I brought her heart and I said, look at the sun. Look at the sun. Say, you see how bright it is? I said, yeah. I said, okay, let's get a, a coin. Put the coin to your eyes. Put the coin to her eyes. And I said, can you see the sun? She said, no. I said, why? 
He said, because this coin is blocking the sun. I said, oh, do you know what the lesson here? He said, no. I said, when you focus on what you don't have, even though the sun is shining as covering the whole world, you are not able to enjoy it. Why? Because you are paying attention to what you don't have. That small little coin, that small little coin blocks the bigness of the sun for you to enjoy it. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, that's exactly what happened, right? They were in the garden. And God said to them, every tree, tree here you can eat. The devil came and said, this one tree, this one tree, that God said you should not eat, God is holding something from you. So now, their attention shifted from the 99 trees, I'm making it up now, I, I don't know how many trees are in the garden, maybe it's 100, let's, use, let's just say they're 100. God said you can eat, touch 99, but one, don't touch it, don't, don't eat out of it. Satan now came and made them, make, make, made them to focus on the one. On the one. On the one that they didn't have. What about the 99 that they do have? Now they have lost sight of the abundance that they have. Of the grandeur of the garden. Of the provision of God. Of the excellency of God. Of the beauty of God. Of the God that comes to stay with them in the, middle of, in, in the, in the cool of the evening to hang out with them. They totally lost sight of all of that. Now they are fixated on this one thing that they don't have. And because they are so fixated on this one thing that they don't have. Their heart got hardened. And they missed the mark of God because of the deception that the devil painted in their heart that says, you don't have what God says you have. And God says, you are already like God. God told them, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. The devil said, God knows the day you take this one thing that you don't have, you are going to be like God. But hang on, hang on a minute. They are already like God. But the devil says, you are going to be like God if you take this thing. And they went to take it. Listen. This is the approach that marketers also use. They sell you a lack, and then they bring a solution and say, we have the solution for that lack. See, nobody can deceive you unless they first paint a, 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 a picture of lack, of you are missing something first. That's the only way they can deceive you. Deception cannot work unless you have bought into the mindset that you don't have what God says you already have. And that's how deception works. So anybody that has been taking that has been duped before, you know, you get into some business, they dupe you. And you think, ah, they duped me. It's because they've, they've sold you a lie that you have believed. So, God says to you, encourage one another with this truth. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. God is saying, encourage yourself with the truth. This truth we're sharing here. Encourage yourself while you are still in the waiting room of life. Number six, enjoy the moments and build memories. Don't be so caught up in the problems that you don't have time to enjoy the moment. Listen, it, it always comes so it can pass. You read it in the Bible. It came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. It will come so that it can pass. This means no challenge will ever last forever. God wants you to remember that. So while you are waiting, begin to create memories with your children. Create memories with your loved ones. Create memories. Laugh. Enjoy life. Don't put your life on hold in balance because of the challenge. Enjoy your life. Create memories. Create memories. Remember, when it is time for us to leave this earth, the only thing we are going to remember are the memories we've created with our loved ones. So don't jettison it because of the challenge you're going through. It came so it can pass. So it will come and it will pass. Hallelujah. Number seven, believe that God is working behind the scenes to orchestrate good into your life. Romans 8.28 says, We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor 
all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good 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 not a plan for evil into a plan for good to and for to and for to and for those who love god exactly as everything is working into a good plan for you and into a good plan to you that's it god is working all things together into a good plan for you and to you hallelujah that is a place where somebody will go on a dance break and begin to say father i thank you that no matter how it looks this is going to work for for good it's going to work for my good and to my good it's going to work for my good and to my good which means i it works for me and it works to me i don't know if that is correct english but remember it's going to work for you what work for good for you in the name of Jesus Christ. So God is saying to you, remember, God is working behind the scenes. You have a need right now. You need money. You need a job. You need healing. Do you know God has already caused answers to happen before the need arises? Before you, you thought, I need five million pounds. Do you know that God knew you are going to need five million pounds in year 2023 before you thought you were going to need it? And God has made provision available for you before the need arises. So what you need to do now is ask God for what? Direction to open your eyes to see what you need to do to take advantage of, of opportunities that are, are in front of you so can, you can take advantage of what God has in store for you. So, God is making everything work for your good. Remember, believe that that is working behind the scenes to help you. Number eight, act with assurance that the fear that God planned for you has already happened. This is so beautiful. Essentially, you need to remember that that future that you are seeing. Man, I don't have time. I don't have time. That the future that you are seeing in the minds of in the mind of God has already happened. To you, you close your eyes and say, Oh man, one day I'm gonna be this. And you are thinking about it, you are seeing that picture, right? The fact that you can see it, you already have it. It's just that it has not manifested yet in the physical. So now if I know that I already have it, if I know that it's gonna show up in the in the present day moment, what do I do? I carry a consciousness that is going to show up. I become what? Expectant. So while you are in the waiting room, you are expectant. You're waiting for the plane to come. The plane has been delayed, but you know it's going to come. You know it's going to come. Maybe you have access to some, 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 some information. You know it's going to come. What do you do? You are expectant. You are waiting expectantly. You're, every day you wake up, you say, maybe today. Maybe today. Maybe today. Maybe today. Instead of being hopeless, you are not, you've become hopeful. Why? Because you are taking charge of the picture in the future that God has shown to you and you are bringing it into the now reality through gratitude. Right? You, every day you wake up, you are grateful because you know it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen soon. Now, you know, Bible says in the book of Hebrews 11, Bible says, now faith is. Faith is now. So, even though it's in the future, in the future, in the realm of the spirit, there's no barrier. There's no time space. So in, when God gives you a vision, in, in the heart of God, in the mind of God, it has already happened. In the realm of the physical, because you live in the physical world, there might be, there might be need for that vision to go through different people, for certain legislation to be made, to favor you, so that that thing will come to fruition. So while you are waiting, you are not waiting like somebody who is waiting hopelessly. You are waiting with hope. You are waiting because you know it is going to happen. You are waiting because you know it has already happened. You are waiting because you know that any moment now is going to show up in your life. So, because you know the way you act 
The way you carry yourself will be somebody who knows that he's going somewhere. Will be like somebody who knows that something is going to happen. It's going to be like somebody who knows the future is already settled for me. Now, listen, if you think you don't have a future, if you think that the future is going to be so messed up, nothing's going to work, you know, there's no reason for you to wake up every day because you are hopeless. But remember, just think about it this way. If you know that the future is going to be great for you, that God has shown you a great future ahead of you, when you wake up every day, you are charged up. You say, today might be the day. That's the way God wants you to act while you are in the waiting room of life. Hallelujah. And finally, never forget that God loves you. While you are waiting, never forget that God loves you. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's not one thing or not one person in our present moment in our future circumstances, that which we do not even know is going to happen. For example, before coronavirus hit the world, we didn't know it was going to happen. There's, there's nothing that, there was nothing that happened when coronavirus happened to the world. There's nothing that will happen in the future for future sicknesses that might come that can weaken the love of God for you. There's no power above us. There's no power beneath us. There's no power that could ever be found in the whole universe that can distance you and I from the love that God has for us. What kind of love? The Bible calls it God's passionate love for us. And how do we know this love? The Bible says this love has been lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. People of God, I don't know whether I can continue now. I'm so, I'm so grateful God for the ability to be able to share this with you. But these nine things, I hope they will bless you. That when you are going through the waiting room, never lose sight of the love of God. Now, here's the thing. If you have a sickness in your body today, or you are in between jobs, or you are needing money, remember these things that you are, you are believing God for. God is not the one holding them from you. God does not derive any glory for you to go through these things that we have mentioned. Whether there's sickness in your body, you need money, you need a job, you need a pathway. God does not derive any joy at all from these things happening in your life. So it cannot be the one. That has brought them on you. Please get that out of your head. God is not the one that has brought what you're going through into your life. The enemy has done this. Just like Joseph faced those challenges. But God is going to work it for your good. God is going to bring healing for your sickness. He's going to bring abundance for your penury. God is going to bring dancing for your mourning. God is, going to, God is going to turn graves into gardens. God is going to give you beauty for ashes. God is going to turn your shame into glory. God is going to do that for you. He's the only one who can and he will never, ever forget you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this day, for what you have done for your people. Thank you, Almighty God, that even this day we have shared about the need to remember that you will never forget us. Not only that, you will never forsake us. Why? Because Christ was forsaken on the cross. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said that when he became sin for us. Now, there's no sin on our lives. There's no sin hanging over our heads. Therefore, because Christ was forsaken on the cross and he paid the price for us, we can never be forsaken. Lord, I thank you, Almighty God, because you said Christ was forsaken so that we should never, ever be forsaken. Christ became defenseless on that tree. So that we can never ever be defenseless. We thank you all, Mary God, because we have traded places with Jesus. Or he has traded places with us. And therefore, the sin that we ought to be judged for, he was judged on our behalf. And therefore, because he has been judged 
and he's been raised from the dead. There's no more judgment allowed. Therefore, we thank you, Almighty God, that you are not looking us over for fault. You're not here trying to judge us and, and, and point out our mistakes. No, you are for us. You are in our corner. You are in us. You are all around us. In fact, you have angels all around us to do your bidding, to do your bidding, and to do our bidding, what we have said out of our mouths. So, therefore, today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare for everyone who is going through shame, I declare Almighty God that that shame is turned into glory. I declare today in the name of Jesus Christ, somebody who is going through a grievous moment is turned into a gardener's moment. Is that such a word like that? A, a, an environment that is beautiful and like the Garden of Eden. I pray for someone today in the name of Jesus Christ who is going through a process of mourning, that their money is going to turn to dancing in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for someone who is going through uh, a, a process, Almighty God, where their life is filled with um, hashes or things that are not that, that are not good, things that look so gray and decadent that everything is turned into beauty in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for someone today who is going through perilous time that this season too shall pass. Thank you, Almighty God, as we stand together. We remember, Almighty God, that you are for us, you are in us, you are with us, and you will never leave us alone or forsake us. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. We give you praise and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. I'm so sorry I spent more than one hour today, but I hope it's been a blessing to you, has been to me. Remember, Jesus was forgotten, but he was not forsaken. As we go into the next chapter next week, you will see how God brought Joseph out in one day. I'm praying that for you. A turnaround that the waiting room is just going to be over just like that. Hallelujah. Praise God for everyone. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We believe that you have been blessed. For more experiences like this, join us every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. UK time and on Wednesdays for Bible Hangout at 6 p.m. UK time on Zoom. On Saturday morning, our prayer room opens at 6 a.m. UK time on Zoom as well. Every first Wednesday of the month, the church podcast channel, Metamorphor, presents the Practicality of Grace series featuring hot topics and experienced guests. We invite everyone to send questions about issues that are difficult to grasp and our guests will answer it through the lens of grace by the Holy Spirit. All questions are welcome. You are too. Questions can be sent to the live chat on the website www.thelighthouse.org or you can send an email to light at thelighthouse.org. If you want to give your offering, you can scan the QR code on the screen to give through PayPal or you can make a bank transfer to 0564189. That is 0564189. The short code is 087 one nine nine at cash plus bank the details are on the screen if you want us to pray with you please click on the link that pops on the live chat and follow the prompt or you can visit the website at www.thelighthouse.org you can also request a private session with pastor davis on calendly by visiting the link in the website or 
in the discussion box below. Follow us on all our socials. We are on YouTube, Facebook, IG, Twitter, TikTok and LinkedIn. And we post all information about our services and other programs across these channels. Simply type the username displayed on the screen and follow. We hope you enjoy your week. Remember to rest on God's promises to you of stability and prosperity. Until next time, God bless you. Awesome God, He reigns from heaven above.